Hello everyone and welcome to the first Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast of 2021. I've got the whole gang uh, with me this time. Um, Tony, James and Simon. Gents, Happy New Year to you all. Happy New Year. Bonjour. And of course, Happy New Year to everyone listening in. Hope you had as good a Christmas as you could have had uh, in light of the restrictions. And um, hope 2021 is a downside better than 2020 was, that's for sure. Coming up on this uh, episode of the podcast, we'll look back at the matches since we uh, were last together. We're going to do a couple of player focuses, as we usually do. This month, it's going to be Dan Potts and Simon Sluger. Uh, the podcast is usually the James Collins Appreciation Podcast, isn't it? But I think we've had to change that to um, Kieran and Stroke Kevin Dewsbury Hall. We'll, uh, we'll answer the question that um, was put forward by... Nathan Jones recently, Glenn Ray against Joe Morrell. We'll discuss the transfers as we're in the middle of a transfer window. We'll discuss whether football should be continuing given the pandemic pandemic that's raging outside. We'll look forward to some really juicy matches coming up and we will finish off with their uh, topics regarding Power Court, Newlands Park and Kootenay Road. Chaps, let's get started with some football. Um, Recent matches, the first one of which, since we were last together, Preston at home. Who shall I come to? I will come to Simon, as you weren't with us last month. Preston at home, a really, really, really good win. Unfortunately, of course, the last time fans were inside Kenworth Road. Yeah, indeed. I mean, cracking victory, wasn't it? You know, real uh, great performance, good three points, you know, Carlo Hattrick and thank you very much. And, you know, it's, it seems an age away. I mean, what was that a month ago now, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, no, brilliant, brilliant result. Great three points just a week or two before Christmas, and uh, you know, really, really promising signs at that point. Yeah, absolutely, James. I mean, um, if anything, it was a three 0 that flattered Preston. Yeah, well, yeah, Luton were Luton were totally dominant. Um, it was just wonderful to have fans back in the ground. I know that they'd been they'd been there previously for the for the Norwich game, but. Um, yeah, it was a what well, turned what turned out to be a novelty, really, wasn't it? Um, it was great to to have that interaction and for the game to go as well as it did. Um, and you kind of miss it since you've been like you, you shown what it you've been shown what it used to be like, and it uh, got taken away quite quickly, which is a bit disappointing. Well, it's more than a bit disappointing, gutted. Tony, the players seem to react really positive, positively to having fans there, not just that game, but the Norwich game that preceded it. Um, but really, all it did was continue on some good home form. Yes, it did. Um, it made uh, a lot of difference, I think. A bit of an uh, atmosphere inside the ground. The players responded and they gave us two cracking performances. Um, especially with the Preston game, they they were really up for it, and uh, you know I was so impressed at the way they were pressing so high up the pitch and forcing errors out of Preston. Um, it was just a a, a great win, and uh, Preston couldn't have moaned if we'd have put in another two or three goals. It was just a highly enjoyable victory. Yeah, absolutely, and that's a Preston side that were pretty sure when they came here were the best away side in the league in terms of points picked up on the road. So, um, full credit to everyone involved there. Um, Simon, while thought, our home has been good... I thought Simon would be dishing out that that impressive stat from the Preston game. Do you remember that one? It was uh, Nathan Jones's 200th game and his 100th victory, which yeah. is pretty impressive. 
Yeah, it made the win ratio easy to calculate, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? That, like, like you said, Simon, that game was such, it was like so long ago. It's, it's impossible yeah. to think it barely six weeks ago. It's um, unbelievable. Um, I guess one of the reasons for that is because since then we've endured a um, trip to Middlesbrough, or rather you have, the rest of us haven't. Um, there were some weird goings on that night, wasn't there? Uh, sort of alien sort of struck the referee halfway through the second half and um, a goal that looked like was going to be given for the town was probably rightly chalked off because I do think Collins hit his penalty into his standing leg and in, but that's not how it seemed it was going to be the case before all the hoo-ha kicked up. No, that's right. I mean, I, I didn't see it from the coverage I could see at the time. The, all you could see was the Middlesbrough players reacting in the way they did. And that clearly showed that they, they'd seen something. And of course, it's happened to them, hadn't it, um, a few weeks prior where they'd actually been penalised for the same thing. Um, but when you see it back, you can see that it has taken a double touch. The thing that gets me is, and it's the rule for me needs changing because quite clearly that's not deliberate. So if he scores, then to me, that should be a retaken penalty. Um, whereas if it's saved, then that, that's just bad luck that he's, he's slipped. Um, but, you know, to be denied the opportunity because you've slipped like that and you've an, an inadvertent double touch. Um, you know, the thing that gets me is if, if a player encroaches and we score, then it's retaken. So a deliberate act and the penalty's retaken an act where it's an accident and he's, he's clearly not meant it and you don't get the opportunity to retake the penalty. I just think, I think the rule is, is not right there, but it was really unfortunate. Another day, you know, it gets given. Um, the players don't react in the way they did. Rarely do you see a referee change his mind. Um, I wonder whether the fourth official has spoken in his ear um, because perhaps his angle, he saw it. The fact the assistant ref didn't flag, the fact the ref gave the goal, um, you know, was frustrating. But as you've said, unfortunately, it was the right decision at the at the end of the day. Just it was really unfortunate it went against us. Yeah, James, one of the reasons why it was unfortunate is because obviously leading up to that penalty, uh, the uh, Middlesbrough midfielder and Morsi had been sent off for the, um, well, I'll put it in inverted commas, deliberate handball. I'm not sure he deliberately did it. Um, and if that does uh, get allowed and, and the game goes 1-1, there's probably only one winner and they weren't wearing red. Oh, yeah, yeah, Luton were in the ascendancy at the time. I mean, I agree with Simon that the rule needs to change, but it shouldn't even got to that point. I think it's, I, I'm absolutely, I'm really surprised that not more has been made of the fact that uh, the referee give the goal, linesman didn't seem to flag, and just because the middle of the players protested, they're having a look again. Uh, I don't know how that works, really, because there's no VAR in the championship. And... Um, you know, you could say maybe the full official did see something, but they're usually standing on the halfway line. I mean, that's a very good angle to see something that the referee stood 10 yards away couldn't see. So I, I think they have been done out of a, a, a result there, really. Um, and it, it, it baffles me, really. There, there needs to be some explanation of it. And it just seemed to get sort of swept under the carpet. It was, it was an infuriating decision. And I'd got over it, but now I'm really annoyed again. Early in the podcast, get you annoyed, but uh, yeah, fair enough. I mean, Tony, what did you make of that incident? I, well, from, I, we're, we're absolutely miles away, aren't we? But there's got to be some sort of electronic help there, hasn't there, for that to have been changed? It, it, it's difficult, but for me, yeah, it, it, it was a clear double touch, and I tend to agree with Simon. But I think um, the goal should have is it 
it, it should have stood. And the reason being because nobody picked up how far the Middlesbrough keeper was off his line before Colo even shot the ball. And the ruling is that the goalkeeper has got to stay on the line until the, the ball is kicked. So, you know, who, which of the officials missed that? Yeah, I think that's the linesman, isn't it? Linesman stood on the line too, but I don't think they're... Isn't it just our luck that they'd spot the double touch, but they missed the goalkeeper being at the other end of the ground? You know, basically, it, it, it was... Uh, it's just our luck, you know? Well, yeah, Middlesbrough players weren't complaining about their goal either, were they? That's the reason. No, no. That's the reason it got looked at again, yeah. or considered again. And it's uh, you know that can't happen. I don't think so. But again, you know, agreeing with Simon, if it had been a deliberate double touch, fair enough. But he slipped, hmm. and so that at the very least, the penalty should have been taken again. I don't think he could deliberately do it if he tried. Could he? I mean, it's not you know. I, You'd end up flat on your face if you tried to do it, wouldn't you? Well, I mean, suppose he did end up flat on his back, but an annoying result. But again, whenever Luton have an annoying or a poor performance, they seem to always bounce back, Simon. And although we didn't beat Bournemouth in the following game, when you consider the long distance journey in the middle of the week to hold arguably the best side in the league to a nil-nil draw at home on what was described as a cabbage patch of a pitch um, can only be um, can only be to our credit. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's some games you're not going to win every game at home, but you, you want to put in a performance and especially team at the top, um, ex-Premier League last season, you know, and to, to, to keep a clean sheet and to uh, to take a point, you know, as you say, after a long trip up north in the week, I thought it was a, a cracking effort. And, you know, you, you take take the draw sometimes, you have to accept that, uh, as I said, you're not going to win every game, but a good nil-nil and a good clean sheet and uh, a point against one of the teams that will certainly be up there at the end of the season. And yeah, James, very I, high value well, squad as well in comparison to what we've got. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's talk of a couple of the players in that side going 30 million in this window. And um, I, I haven't seen why, but I'm sure someone has. James, I always measure a draw on which goalkeeper is the busiest in terms of who's happier with the draw and who isn't. So probably Bournemouth were happier with that draw because Begovic was a darn sight more busy than our goalkeeper. I know there was the odd one or two saves, but you're not going to play against Bournemouth and not have a single shot to save, but Begovic made a couple of key interventions. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he stopped Danny Hilton getting the goal, didn't he? And um, uh, yeah, you could look at it like that. And it, it was it was almost a pain in the bum again at the weekend, wasn't he, in the return fixture? But luckily that went the right way in the end. But yeah, he's pulled off some wonderful saves in the two games. Um, but uh, considering there's no goals in that game, I, I just thought uh, Jewsby Hall was fantastic um, a really wonderful wonderful performance for him that deserved something in Luton's favour just because of the way the way he plays football the way he influenced the game really yeah he's a quality uh, component we'll come on to him again in a minute um, Tony what did you make of that first Bournemouth game though were you happy with the point um Probably you, going into it, you would have been, wouldn't you? Yeah, but coming out yeah, of it, maybe out not. Of it, so. we're disappointed. And I felt we should have had a penalty as well for, for Cook's uh, challenge on uh, Nombe in the last few minutes. Mm. Um, but uh, you can't you can't moan at gaining a point from a side that uh, was in the Premier League and, as, as has already been said, been tipped to go straight back, one of the favourites for it. Um so overall, yeah, I think uh, 
it was a, a reasonable performance. And uh, yeah, I, I look at it as a as um, two points drop rather than one point gain. But at the end of the day, I'm you know I'm happy with the point. Just on that non-bay chance, Simon. I mean, he's absolutely wiped out when he goes clean through. How the referee hasn't even given a decision. Okay, whether it's inside the box or outside the box, they'd probably have to uh, get lucky with. But how is not given a a decision when he's clearly wiped out as he's about to go and score is beyond me. Yeah, I mean, we certainly were calling for it in the press box at the time for the view we had. Um, You know, you do as the players go in. I think maybe because Nombe got the shot away, the referee's thinking that there's not as much of a challenge in there as we felt there was. Um, you know, it's one of those, isn't it? You see them given, you see them pass by and it was just so frustrating right at the end. As you say, really tough choice, whether it was a, a free kick or a penalty anyway. Um, but yeah, Of course, so if it was a penalty, it couldn't have been a red card, could it? So that would have been a, an important decision. Yeah, I mean, it's huge at the end of the game. You wonder whether at another point in the game, the referee sees it slightly differently. You'd hope not, but... Um, you know, it, it was one of those where, again, another day gets given and we, we've got the opportunity, but it wasn't. And it was frustrating that, you know, we couldn't take the three points. As Tony said, you know, sometimes you look at what you'd accept before a game and what you'd accept after you've seen the 90 minutes and they can be quite different. And that was one of those where you thought, yeah, we take a point before, but also we felt on the 90 minutes we could have won it. James, we haven't seen an awful lot of Sam Nombe, so I'm sure we'll cover him in podcasts to come. But what have you made of the brief sort of glimpses that you have seen of him? Well, it's difficult, isn't it, if you're a Luton striker at the moment, because you don't get a hell of a lot of service. <laughs> so um, he's obviously very raw. He's a big, powerful bloke, but um, uh, you don't, uh, he only really gets cut, brought on in the last few minutes of games at the moment. It's very hard to make a, a judgment. Like, he's. he's most um, notable piece of action was that um, that foul we got taken out in in the Bournemouth game. Um, I'm not seeing him. I'm not seeing him all the time um, in the flesh as well. I've not been at all the games, so it's a very different experience watching him football. But I was at the I was I was at his debut performance, and I don't know whether it's because he's not played for a while or. Um, was coming on in that but his sort of first touch you could tell it wasn't quite championship standard yet I guess that that can change and that can, that can improve but um, it, it was it, it's not one where he's obviously had a massive instant impact so um, but you know we're we're in a brand new transfer window now and I can't t- look at my phone or turn on a computer without a, a Luton fan saying why can't we sign a striker and it, I don't know how many times they need to be told that Strikers in the championship cost more money than Luton have got. So you're going to have to get these young players and develop them. So um, that's, that's just where Luton are. At the moment. Yeah, I must admit, I, someone replied to something that I put on Twitter once, oh, QPR have signed Charlie Austin. Yeah, OK. We won't even bother replying to that one. And Tony, what have you made of um, non-bay? Raw, absolutely. But we've had raw strikers before, and I'm thinking Steve Howard in this um, sort of context, uh, Andre Gray, Isaac Vassell, and... They all seem to improve dramatically working under Mick Harford. Is there scope for this to happen again? Yeah, I, I, I can't see why not. And as we said, we're <clears throat> with him. He's he's, he's pretty raw, um, but he looks like he's got something. And 
you know, he looks like he could, could be quite powerful. In, in some ways, he does remind me of Vassell. Um, but, let, you know, the guy needs time. He, you know, he's, he's young. He's, he's only played at League One level. So he's come in. And I think the, the, the limited number of appearances he's made for us, he, I, I think he's done all right. He's certainly enthusiastic. He's put the effort in. And I'm made up for the kid that he's now uh, playing for a proper club in uh, proper football. So, you know, um, I, I, I think he, he, he's got what it takes. You know, he, if you look when he's come on, he, he's got stuck in and uh, he's actually put some telling balls in as well. And uh, with a bit more luck, he, he, he could have perhaps notched his first goal at home against uh, Bournemouth. Yeah, hopefully uh, he continues to improve as those that have gone before him did. Simon, Boxing Day, it'd have been we could have been forgiven for not bothering with Reading and just saying, look, have the points, we'll save the energy because they always get the points against us at their place. And for the first half, it, it, it almost looked like that's exactly what we did because we completely fell asleep from a set piece after 10 minutes. And then they walked through us for a second one and, well, the game was done by then, wasn't it, really? Yeah, indeed. Summed it up there, really, Kev. Um, you know, it's uh, the only consolation was we scored an away goal for the first time in um, weeks. Um, and what a over eight hours, from isn't it? Kazenga as well. Yeah, over eight hours. You know, it's, there's been some long trips as well, Cardiff and Swansea and uh, the like, Middlesbrough. Um, you know, so the uh, the miles per away goal ratio was uh, significantly uh, the wrong end of the scale. Um, but you know, it's. As you said, Reading seems to be one of those sides that do us in the league, but thankfully we've done them in both cups and we've got two great uh, draws out of uh, beating them in the cup competitions. Indeed we have, yeah. Um, James, I guess the really annoying thing in terms of that first half was their second goal came from our corner and that should never be allowed. No, but the whole the whole first half was absolutely bleak, wasn't it? It's that sort of thing you want <clears throat> on a boxing eight. I usually really really love boxing day games i mean you you usually have a christmas as well don't you so you you know christmas day to <clears throat> enjoy and then get bored of the people you're with and <laughs> get out on boxing day enjoy the football but uh it just wasn't the same so I, I mean i i didn't go to that game again because i it just didn't feel like christmas it didn't feel like a boxing day game um so i, I stayed at home and watched it on iFollow and uh, it was a it was 10 pounds not well spent to Simon's relief, the uh, drummer didn't turn up to uh, that game either because that would have just rounded it right off. Tony, if we're going to score a consolation goal, you may as well ping it in from 25, 30 yards. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it, good goal, but it, too little, too late, isn't it? And I, Again, I'm with James on that. It's not so bad paying a tenner um, and getting a game like that and being able to listen to Simon's dulcet tones. Um, but... Uh, I think I'd have been very upset paying to go to an away game, all that money, and then to see a performance like that. But uh, unfortunately, that's what we seem to be a bit like this season. But it's always it's always good to celebrate a goal. But you, you know, you need something of an anticlimax, isn't it? Yeah, you did well if you were still watching by that point. To be fair, um, Simon, the one thing I picked up after that game was Nathan Jones said he. Didn't so much sack that game off in preparation for the next two, but the two that followed it or were meant to follow it, obviously the second of them was cancelled. 
Uh, the two that followed it were more important to him and he saved a few players for that. One of those players that he saved was Kean and Dewsbury Hall, who turned in an absolute masterclass of a performance against Bristol City, capped with his first goal for Luton Town. Yeah, indeed. I mean, the, the man of the match award at Kenilworth Road being renamed, isn't it? Kean and Dewsbury Hall man of the match award. He's won it so often, but um, no, it was a stunning performance as we've seen uh, several times this year. Great to get his first goal as well that sealed the win, um, you know, after the own goal had equalised. And uh, yeah, it, fantastic to get the three points. Um, Dean Holden obviously watched a completely different game to the rest of us, feeling that his team were the better side despite having only one shot on target and half the number of corners and, you know, all the rest. But yeah, we took the three points. Keenan got his first goal and, you know, it, it was a, a cracking night. I'm going to skip James here because he didn't um, cover that one. Uh, with a family issue that um, cropped up. But Tony, the other memorable thing about that night was lovely volley from Glenn Ray. Technically, sound as, as a pound is just flew in. <laughs> Luke was going to break the net with that, was he? But um, yeah, oh, it was a fantastic goal. Great ball across and then, um, you know, Glenn putting it in. But you've got to think that if, if that had been scored against us, you'd have been pulling your hair out, wouldn't you? Those of us that got here. Um, you know, you'd have been pulling your hair out for giving a goal away like that because he was totally unmarked. But you, you'd you never have thought that Glenn Ray would have that sort of ability to be able to hit a volley like that, would you? Well, that was the thing, isn't it? And I think after the game, Nathan Jones said he was meant to head it. But if you can volley it like that, what the bloody hell are you heading it for? I mean, you know, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> fluid. But Glenn always seems to do things the hard way, doesn't he? He does indeed, yeah. I mean that that was that was a lovely goal, and uh, and like Simon said, actually, that was a deserved three points. That was a really really good game under the lights, and uh, I'm not bothered what Bristol City seems to think of it. Uh, that that was perfectly fair, James. You were um, at the FA Cup game that followed, well, a week and a bit after after the QPR game was delayed due to some COVID issues. Much changed Luton Town side, which I think everyone expected once that QPR game got rearranged, but. The quality wasn't necessarily lacking, certainly in the first half, although in the second half we were indebted to um, a really good Simon Saluka performance. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, if it wasn't for Saluka, then um, Luton could have got a bit of a thumping, really. They had that many decent chances read in. So <clears throat> I wrote my rap, my match report all about Saluka, really, because it's not very often you can um, compare a Croatian goalkeeper to Miles Davis, the jazz musician, but I managed it. <laughs> and uh, uh, it, it, it mainly because he 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 pulled off some wonderful saves, but there were two big instances I thought where he his speed off the line, his quick thought just to actually put the player off shooting um, when they hit the bar um, was just as good as a save, uh, just as good as anything you see from a goalkeeper, I think really. Um, and it really sort of shows his his talent, which is you know for a, for a year now. Is has been spot on and grown and grown and you kind of have to feel sorry for James Shea a little bit don't you because um, he came out of the team because he's he's had a baby and uh, Saluka goes and puts in performance like that and you probably find it hard to get back in the side now because um, that's that's the sort of stuff that Saluka can do and yeah he's you know and, you know he didn't score the goal obviously but he's he's essentially won that cup tie for Luton and got him in the hat for for Chelsea. Yeah, indeed he has. Um, it's fair to say that our goalkeepers uh, had 
good time of it in the first lockdown because they both had children um, recently and we wish mother, babies and everyone else well uh, with that. Tony, I couldn't decide whether Sluga was the man of our match in that game or the crossbar because it did some sterling work for us. They hit it twice, didn't they, Reddy? Mm. But you take it, you know, um, we, re- we did ride our luck a bit with that, but um, it was one of those things. I think, you know, most people I spoke to went into that game thinking, well, if we win, great. But if uh, if we don't, we're, we're not going to lose any sleep over it. And I, I, I was certainly feeling that way. And it was one of those, you know, one of those games where, you know, a great goal goes in and I was like, yeah, great. And not really getting up for it, but obviously got the chance of, uh, of uh, a good draw, which we got. Isn't it so annoying, though, that we tend to get these teams at this time? Whereas, you know, in a normal season at this stage, we'd, we'd, we'd probably get bloody Colchester or something. No disrespect to Colchester. We'd get a game like that, you know, whereas certain teams down the road would get Man United or Liverpool, you know? Yeah, and that's the, that is the annoying thing. Uh, these cup draws are becoming a bit of a pain in the backside. Um, Simon, you wasn't at that game, but I'm sure you was watching that game. And we've just spoken about Glenn Ray's technically fantastic volley. And George Monker reminded us that he's got every bit as much technique. Yeah, I mean, Monk's technique, you know, you see the goal against Reading and think about the one against Huddersfield, um, you know, the one at uh, last season as well against Wigan. You know, it's just his finish. He's, he's cool, isn't he? As it comes down, he hits it. And, you know, you, you can back him every day of the week to finish those. And, you know, it was a great finish. Um, not as easy as he made it look. And, uh, you know, great for him to celebrate uh, the winning goal. And as we've said, the, the draw in the fourth round, Chelsea away, fantastic. Um, but, yeah, certainly Simon Sluger's had a great game as well. And, um, you know, he was uh, he kept us in it, Reading, quite how they missed, especially right at the end. Um, you know, as you said, I was, I was watching it, but on TV, and you just you just think he's he's equalised. You know, you've not seen anything but an equaliser there, and somehow's put it oh, you know, onto the bar, and then somehow the guy following up put it over the bar. So, one of those days where a little bit of luck went our way at the end, but um, you know, we're through, and that's what counts. Yeah, I wouldn't have fancied another half an hour, James. A couple of players to um, quickly mention in that game. Brendan Galloway started his first game since that Reading, uh, sorry, since that Brentford um, annihilation. And Gabriel Osho came back from Yeovil and went straight into the side. What did you make of their performances? Um, very impressed by Osho. Um, he looked he looked a good good player. Um, I don't know what more he has to go. He might go out and loan. I don't know what more he has to go out and, and show because I thought he was fairly useful when he played for Reading uh, at Kenilworth Road last season. But yeah. Um, He's obviously been signed as a, a player that can play full-back or centre-back. So it's a good option. I, I'm, I, he's probably not going to dislodge Sonny Bradley or, or Tom Nokia. Uh, and when you've got Matty Pearson as well, uh, that might be the reason. But yeah, for a first um, for a first showing, I think he did really well. He looks very strong in the air, confident, dominant, played well out from the back. A last-ditch tackle, which is very welcome as well. So... Um, yeah, good from him. Um, Brendan Galloway probably a little bit quieter. Um, no surprises there, but uh, you know, good to see him back because it was at that game, and um, you forget, didn't you? 
uh, how bad that injury was because of how bad the result was and what an awful day it was. But um, you, you never want to wish that on anybody. So he's come back. It, it looks like they're trying to send him out on loan. So um, you, you probably won't see him this season. Um, but uh, yeah, good for him that he's back. Tony, what did you make of their performances? Of uh, say again, Kev. What did you make of Osho and Galloway? Yeah, uh, Osho looked really impressive. He slotted in well. He had a great game, and I thought Galloway did all right considering it was his first game back. He did okay. Um, whether Galloway will still be at the club next season, I don't know. But I think um, Osho's looks like he's got a good future with us. And it's nice to see us picking up a bit of um, strength in depth. So, yeah, well impressed with Osho. He did look good. Yep, absolutely. Uh, there were some good performances in that Reading game, Simon, but you'll have done well to find a good one in a Luton shirt in the game that followed against QPR. Um, bad night at the office. Yeah, move on. Next. Yeah. <laughs> James, I think your total... If you added up all of the ratings, I think your total was less than what I gave Keen and Dewsbury Hall in the Bristol City game. Yeah, it was pretty dreary stuff, wasn't it? Um, you know, considering there'd been all the talk of, uh, you know, they'd nearly got to three years of, of midweek games at Kenilworth Road having not lost. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, this is a pretty limp way to win that record, wasn't it? So, uh, like, yeah, I don't know whether you said this on the podcast or just before we started. They don't like playing teams in blue and white hoops often, do they? Should be banned. Anyway, <laughs> any team that comes down here wearing Tesco bags, they should be banned. And uh, <laughs> Anything to take out of that game, Tony, apart from the full-time whistle? Uh, no, except it was painful to watch. And uh, I, I was very... I was angry at the end of it, to be honest with you, because, you know, you, you, you know what that side are capable of of and what they can do and then it just doesn't happen and it was painful the way the ball was given away all the time whether that was because they weren't looking where they were passing or whatever and and to be honest with you QPR weren't that with nothing special either you know and and, and it, I just you know felt like banging my head off a brick wall and when, when he made the subs I thought, great, we're going to get a bit of injection of enthusiasm in there. But they were just as bad. You know, it was like a, a collective thing, wasn't it? You know, like somebody had um, slipped Mogadon in their tea before the game kicked off. You know, it was just, it was just unbelievably bad. And as I said to you before we did this, I, I was just glad that we, we didn't do this podcast last week because... Uh, I'd have been speechless. I, I was that mad about it, you know? It was, uh, yeah, it was a dismal performance. Uh, some said it was the worst performance at home in quite some time, but yeah, I would, I would wager that the Reading game last season was worse, but that might just be me. Um, Simon, this team always bounces back when it's been shite, and it certainly did that on, um, on Saturday. I mean, we've spoken already of the threat that Bournemouth carry from the home game. And they carried, they arguably carried even more threat, didn't they, on Saturday? Because they had a certain Jack Stacey at right back, uh, Cameron Carter Vickers at centre back. Of course, he he wouldn't have been a threat to scoring goals, but he certainly saved them. 
Um, but despite that, we actually we, we won the game, and you know there was a there was a key point with the sending off, wasn't there? And uh, you know whether it was sending off, whether it wasn't a sending off, it's been overturned today, probably quite rightly. I didn't think it was a sending off myself, but once we got to grips with the fact that we were playing against ten men, you felt it was only going to be us that would win the game. Yeah, you'd certainly hope so against ten men. But as we said earlier, you know that's a ten men that are multi million pounds worth of talent um, in that squad, and they were certainly the better team. Um, at the point of the sending off, and perhaps even for a short while after it, they seem to settle better than we did against uh, less opposition. Um, but, you know, it was one of those games, wasn't it, where we did enough to hold on um, and hold hold their pressure off. And then second half, you know, came come out of the blocks absolutely flying. And uh, two great chances. Um, Keen and Dewsbury Hall had a shot. Uh, I think Luke Berry had one as well. And, you know, there was, there was some good opportunities. There was almost an own goal as well. Um, and you suddenly thought, hang on, this is going to be like a Luton Town away performance. We're going to do enough to hold the team in the first half. We're going to come strong in the second half and nick a goal and win it. And and that's what ended up happening. And, um, you know, cracking strike again from Dewsbury Hall to uh, to win the game. And, um, you know, from that point on, there was, what, one challenge, Dan Potts, I think just before that had slid in to deny an opportunity. And Slug has made a great save. Um, to deny somebody on the volley. But other than that, you, you felt that we were strong enough to to withhold their attacking threat. And, you know, as we've said before, millions of pounds worth of attacking threat as well. Um, so, yeah, it was a fantastic three points. I think at the beginning of the week, if you'd looked at it and said you'll take three points in the next two fixtures, you'd accept that and you'd probably say, yeah, move on. We'll take three points from QPR at home and Bournemouth away. What we didn't expect was it was none against QPR and three on the trip to the seaside. Yeah, absolutely. James, when those chances came and went early in the second half, did you think, oh my God, here we go again? Because they weren't just chances, were they? They were bloody glorious chances. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how um, Asmir Begovic manages to keep out Luke Berry's in particular. It's point blank range. He can't have known anything about it. It just must have been uh, fortunate for him that it was hit at him. But um, And then somehow he's got up to save the rebound from Dewsbury Hall, hasn't he? Which is goal-bound with his right foot. Yeah, Um yeah, and when a goalkeeper does that, I mean, we've seen it before, hasn't there, a couple of times where goalkeepers have had absolute um, storming games and you just can't get past them and, and nothing goes your way. So at that point, um, I thought, you know, considering those three chances came relatively quick succession, I thought that it might not be Luton's day. But um, no, they, they, they played really well uh, for the second half and were really composed and... I was impressed with uh, Harry Cornick's running, <clears throat> caused them a lot of problems. I mean, at the time, I thought uh, I might give Harry Cornick the man of the match award, but then when I was having to think about it at the end and <laughs> end of the game and looking at my notes, it was uh, it was only right that it went to the bloke who, who owns the man of the match award, really, wasn't it? Because it was a wonderful strike and he, he's such an influence um, at the moment. And uh, it was good that that was the first game where we knew we'd he'd still be there for the rest of the season, really, because there was a, a, a troublesome fortnight where everybody thought that Leicester might be recalling him, but uh, they didn't. So that's uh, that's very, very good news. And Tony, um, given the threat that Bournemouth carried, I mean, we defended really, really well, in particular when you think that we lost our centre-half in that sending-off incident. Nasty-looking blow to the head, you know, blood streaming all over the place. Um it was pretty obvious that he was going to have to go off, wasn't he? He tried to battle on Tom Lockyer, but, you know, the writing was on the wall from a 
from a pretty early stage. And fair play to Dan Potts for um, going into centre half, and we'll cover him in a minute. But actually, it was our first sighting of the first signing of the transfer window. Uh, Cal Naismith, not Kai Naismith, Cal Naismith. Uh, what did you make of him? Yeah, he, he did all right, considering his last um, game was the 26th Boxer Day, I believe. And he hadn't done that much training. But he, he's, um, uh, you know, apart from the fact that he's played from the wrong side of uh, Glasgow, I think he did all right. Um, you know, he, he he did a job. He, he was reliable. He, it took him, you know, a, a few minutes to get into the game. But... Once he did, he, he, you could see his running and getting into spaces and availability. And you could see a canny head on him. You know, he, he, he closed them down a few times. Um, so I think he had a he had a good game. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, I think sort of with it. But I think Bournemouth looked just as good with, with 10 minutes as they did with 11. They, they didn't seem to be that, you know, put out by losing that extra man. But there's one thing I picked up for that. I couldn't believe the number of times you watch the game and, and Collins was so deep, dropping right back. And, and, and when we were mounting the attack, he, he was near the halfway line. I'm thinking he should be getting up there, busting a the gut to get into the penalty area. So I've, I wonder what was going on there. But um, it worked out in the end. I, I thought regarding the sending off, I'm not. I've, I've read different accounts of that, and people are saying, "Oh, Berry went in and made a back for the guy to go over." Um, actually, the replays I've seen, it looks like Berry's hardly touched him, to be honest, and uh, he, he flailed his arm back. Um, it's just a little nudge in midair, though, isn't it? You only yeah, need the slightest of touches, and then he yeah, spun around. But, um, I've seen it live and uh, replay, and I didn't think it. It was a red card, so I'm not surprised they received it. Yeah, look, looking back at it and think, I think it was a bit harsh, but I think the claret has influenced the ref. Him, he, yeah, he caught him, uh, but then again, you've only got to look at his track record, Lerma. You know, yeah, well, I was about to say that you mentioned they looked better with 10 than they did 11. They, by looking at his um disciplinary and suspension record, they seem to be quite used to playing with 10 without him. So, um, uh, how much do they reckon he's worth? 30 million. Yeah, there or thereabouts. Columbia International, isn't he? So yeah. uh, spent more time on his ass than he did on his feet. But um, yeah, I'm up with James. And actually, when you look at it, when you look at the incident on a replay, when the um, referee blows for a free kick, initially Luke Berry's protesting because he thinks he's given the free kick away, and yeah. um, that was kind of the telltale thing. Simon, there were some familiar faces against us on Saturday. One in particular that we really should speak about: Jack Stacey missed the home game, obviously with injury. Thankfully, didn't come back to haunt us. And in many ways, that was because of uh, the great performance from Cal Naismith. But always good to see someone like Jack Stacey um, in action. Yeah, indeed. I mean, it, he's, he's obviously been a, a loss to us. Um, him and JJ were a cracking set of fullbacks that we were very fortunate to have at the same time. Um, but, you know, he's gone on. He played, obviously, Premier League last season. Back down at our level now. And, um, excuse me, was a, he's a quality player. Um, but no, we, we did well. I think he only had a couple of opportunities where he, he beat Naismith or beat Potts at the point when uh, Potts was at left back. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, wasn't the threat. And I didn't think put in as good a performance as we would have expected from him when he was in the Luton shirt. Um, and he I got, think that part of that was down to how well we played. 
He got subbed as well, didn't he, Sean? Yeah, subbed in the second half as well. So, but then you know he has missed a lot of football of late, of, of course. So, um, you know he's he's not had too many games back since uh, returning. And James Cameron Carter Vickers, kind of quiet really throughout the game. Did um, hack the Glen Ray chance off the line, didn't he? Early on the second half, I still don't know how he kept it out of his net. But um, apart from that, fairly anonymous considering the impact that he had for us. Yeah, but I guess that's to be expected. With a team like Bournemouth, who are going to be up the top of the division, they're going to be expected to attack more, aren't they? Whereas Luton was scrapping for their lives and and he was that influential in, in shutting the door uh, for a Luton team that before, you know, before, until lockdown, had chipped so many goals. Um, that, that that was his influence. But uh, And, and he, again, like Jack Stacey, not for the same reasons, though, that he hasn't played a lot of football this season. So... Um, yeah, it's 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 good that he didn't come back to to hold Luton again. Um, it wasn't one of those uh, shut the door performances that we'd seen last season, was it? And um, yeah, it's a shame that he's not still at Luton. I know they tried everything to get him, um, but uh, it wasn't to be. But you know, Luton have got Tom Lock here now, and he's pretty good, isn't he? Mm. He is not bad. That's right. Yeah, and fair play to Bournemouth for delivering a bowling green that we could all play on. Um, so yeah. Absolutely, well done, um, Tony Dan Potts. Let's let's start the player focuses. Uh, he's played centre half against Reading. He's played left back um, in a few other games, and he finished centre half against Bournemouth. What have you made of him in that time? Uh, I'm interested to hear all of your views actually, because I noticed with James's match report on Saturday, he sees that centre half could be Potts's long term position. Yeah, I, I think he's done well there. Um... When he when he's gone into it, I mean, he, he, it, it's useful to have a player that can play in more than one position. <clears throat> and you can never fault Potsy for his his effort and what he puts into it, and he and he's good in the air. So yeah, obviously he can play centre half. Um, the only thing that it lets him down is he, he's injury prone, isn't it? But if you look at most of the injuries he's had, it's basically because he he's been putting it on the line for Luton. He's made some uh, last ditch challenges and and things like that. But I think Potsy's done all right. Um, when he when he plays left back, I, I, I still think he's prone to giving his uh, his winger too much space. But I I, I think long term, yeah, he'll probably make a better centre half than he will a left back. James, it was you that kind of um, triggered that in my mind. What was your sort of thinking behind that? Obviously, you saw him against Reading in the Cup uh, play there. Um, I guess also, you know, with Naismith coming in, he might have to um, switch to centre-half. Yeah, I mean, it's based on the two performances that he's had there. Um, and he's played really well. But also because of, I guess Luton have been so blessed with fullbacks uh, in the last few years, and, and he's not of that mould. He's not, uh, he's not a JJ or a Stacey that is going to, or a um, Reece Norton Davis Boo. Uh, he's not one of those players that is going to get up the pitch. Uh, I want him to every time, but he he doesn't have that forward attacking mindset I don't think or, or or maybe he doesn't hasn't played it doesn't get long enough in the side and doesn't have a big enough spell to build up that confidence because he doesn't seem to be a player that's ever going to get you get in forward 
uh, positions and whip crosses in or cause the other fullback or wing back any particular problems. He's, he's reasonably solid in defence, but all too often, and I get a good view of this most hand games because of where the press box is, it'll get so far, maybe to the halfway line, he passes backwards and it's just it's really frustrating. That's not going to be an issue when he plays the centre-back. Um, and it, it showed from the weekend of the game where he, he had enough nous about him to get round the back and snuff out that um, Solanke chance in second half, the, the one time that they really got behind. Uh, and, and he's wonderful in the air. He's, he's, he's tailor-made for that sort of sort of um, position, I think. The trouble he's going to find, obviously, is that your captain, Sonny Bradley, um, although apparently Preston are sniffing after him, so you never know. And um, and you've got a Welsh international in Lockyer there as well, plus the backup of of Matty Pearson. Um, so, so whether he's ever viewed him in that mould, I don't know. But uh, um, a far more sort of convinced and impressed, albeit in the the short amount of time that he played in the central role than I ever really am when he plays in the fullback. Simon, he had two key moments on um, Saturday, didn't he? It was his header that fell to Luke Berry for his chance early in the second half. And then, as James mentioned, the clearance off the line from Solanke. Well, I mean, it's as good as a goal, isn't it? Oh, indeed. Yeah, I mean, fantastic defending. You know, timed it perfectly. He was aware. His awareness um, to be in that place when uh, Solanke was through and uh, yeah, it's as good as a goal because, you know, it was going in, clearly was going to cross the line. So uh, great defending. And as you say, his aerial ability as well at the other end um, provides assists and goals as well, you know, creates a threat from set pieces. And, you know, he's, he's been reliable over the years that he's been with us. Yeah, he's won me more than a few quid from first goal scorer bets down the years. And hopefully he's here for a, lot, uh, for a while longer to keep on adding to that tally. I'll stick with you, Simon, and we'll move on to Simon Sluger. Have we got a goalkeeper now that's above the level that we're playing at? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, top drawer, isn't he, at the moment? Um, you know, the way he finished last season, he's carried it on this season um, after he settled. And, you know, excellent keeper. Um, you know, million pounds, very well spent now and uh, clearly showing his quality as an international keeper and, uh, you know, saved us at the back end of last season. I'm thinking of the, the save against Wigan particularly um, to keep that at nil-nil, you know, after lockdown, there were saves in there as well. And then this season, you know, again, some excellent saves, real commanding keeper, um, you know, and you now, you, you as a Luton Town fan, you now need to forget about the beginning of, of last season when he hadn't settled into the country and uh, into the way of life and, and the championship and look at him, you know, since the new year onwards. And, you know, it's a, a quality keeper past 50 appearances recently for the club as well now. And, um, you know, keeping clean sheets that we could have only dreamed of a year ago. Yeah. I'm glad Simon mentioned that James, because I was going to say that now, do you watch Luger with the memories of those first four or five months or, or have you forgotten them and you now look at what's in front of you, which is a, a seasoned uh, goalkeeper at this level who's more than good enough probably to play at the next one when I see some of the dross that's in the Premier League between the sticks? Oh, no. They, they, those first six months, they're, they're gone now. They're long and distant memory. Uh, he, he's, he's, he's absolutely first class now. And, uh, and the difference being... Um, I guess from James Shea is uh, that there was one save to the 
back end of last season, which was right out of the top corner. And you just, sort of, I think we spoke about it at the time that probably James Shea doesn't get to that. But it's also those one-on-one uh, position, uh, situations as well. He's got a sort of Schmeichel-esque ability about him in those. And he makes himself big and, and he comes off uh, a winner more often than not because the goalie's not the favourite in those situations. The striker should be scoring. But, you know, I've already mentioned the, the couple that he... In the couple of interventions without even actually touching the ball he made against Reading in the Cup um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and that's the sort of that's the sort of extra quality that you're looking for a, a player of that um, well, price tag and now ability. And it's just those um, you know if you take the if you take the cycling um, analogy out of it it's just those sort of marginal gains the the little things that top quality players can do slightly better than everybody else and he's got it Tony they always used to say didn't they a goalkeeper kind of shows his class when he doesn't have an awful lot to do in a game but comes up big when you need him and I'm thinking Saturday didn't have an awful lot to do but that save late on preserved the clean sheet and ended up going on and securing the three points and Really and truly, for much of the game, I know he made a save in the first half, but for much of the game, he could have had his deck chair out and, you know, reading the book. But to make that save when we needed it is the real sign of a class goalkeeper. Oh, definitely, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, a month into the start of last season, we were all thinking, we paid how much for him? But now, you, you honestly look at it and you think, we've got him on the cheap. You know, he's, he is a quality goalkeeper. And uh, I, th- I think he's probably more responsible for keeping us up last season than probably any other player in the side. In, in the side, I think, with with the number of times he saved us and enabled us to pick up a point or pick up three points. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm so pleased for him. You know, he, he's um, he's come through. You can see his quality. He, he, and, and getting back to your point, Kevin. He's always concentrating. He, he, he's a winner. He, he, he wants to win. And one of the other things that I notice about him, if you look at him, how often when he kicks a ball out, does he put it out of play? Not very often. I think he did one on Saturday. And I think that must be the first one I've seen for, for ages. He, his awareness is so quick. It, 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 and how he gets the ball out, he wants to get it out. And a lot of the times he's he's played the ball out and it's, you know, we're straight on the attack and we're in a good attacking position. And and, and that for me is quality. I think, um, you know, we, we have unearthed a diamond there. And the one thing I'll never get bored of is his little celebrations to himself when he makes a save. He always seems to get up with either a fist pump or, you know, you, that beaming smile that, he, you know, he's made a really oh, good save. Equally, you could say, Kev, when, when, he, when he had made a mistake in the past, the way he attacks the goalpost, you know, you can see how much it means to him. You know, it's not a question of, oh, OK, I've made a mistake, OK, we'll let go on. He, he actually, he's, you can see inside, he's sort of like, oh, I could do better than that. And, you know, and and, and you love to see that. You love to see that. He, he, he's, um, as I just said before, he's quality, absolutely quality. I suppose yeah. the thing to say about Sluger, really, is when, you know, even if you are going to reference those first six months where there were gaffes, 
they were also world-class saves at the same time. So what he's done really is just yeah. cut out their gaffes. Because yeah. if you think about the first one, the first gaff against Middlesbrough, there's a top corner save moments before that. And then he lets it through his fingers. So, you know, whether that's nerves or, um, or adjusting to the league, adjusting to the country, you've got to say it probably was. And now he's, now he is, uh, he's well, fully he adjusted. When he was going through that, so, uh, uh, James, and, and you were talking to other supporters about it, and they said, oh, we play some... You don't get to play international f- football by being useless. No. You don't. No, exactly. Um, and, and now we're seeing, obviously, what Croatia's seen. Yeah, and he, he's, he, is, he is top drawer. I think that £1 million is, is really a snip after what what he's done and, and the way he is now and I suppose <laughs> how good he is they might have a battle to keep hold of him I don't think he'll go in this window by the way but he is really good I think how I think the Premier League will be looking at him contract? we know how much has he got left on his contract he's got well they're not they're not dishing out the length of the contracts when they they give out details of signings anymore they, uh, they did with him though didn't they did they I think that was the the rarity to be fair, if you're going to break your club record fee, you're not going to sign him for a you know short space of time, are you? He's going to be on a fairly lengthy contract. Yeah, if, three, if he goes three anywhere. years. All right, because sooner or later, I think you know somebody will come in for him. Yeah, so he's, he's got another year then, hasn't he? Yeah, and, and I think. Um, but if I he goes anywhere, it will be it will smash the amount of money that has been yeah. shelled out for uh, J, JJ and Stacey, I think. Um, he is that good uh, and you won't be surprised to, to see if a Premier League team takes him on or look, who's looking at him yeah not looking at some of the goalkeepers I've seen over the weekend um, chaps in many ways Simon is the luckiest person on this podcast because he gets to commentate on Keen and Dewsbury Hall every single week and it must just be a joy Simon because it's a joy to sit well, it's not a joy to sit at home and watch him, actually, because every time you do sit at home and watch him, you want to be there watching him. But it's a joy to watch the kid play because sometimes you get loan signings. And I think Nathan mentioned this to you on Saturday. And I must admit, you doing interviews to Nathan Jones in January is of strong concern to me after the last time you did it. But that's by the way. You get loan signings who don't care. Mm. And maybe we've already had one who's disappeared. And we'll come on to that in a minute. But this guy does, doesn't he? You can tell, you know, that everything he posts on his social media feeds, they're not about himself, they're about the team. And just when he plays, you know, he he's, he's all about helping the team, isn't he? Indeed. He's clearly a player that wants to play football. He's got pride in the club that he's representing this season. Um, and, you know, he, he's, here, he's here to develop his own um, skills and develop his ability and his attributes. And, uh, yeah, he's a fantastic player. You know, it goes down to our scouting that um, we've seen him. I think Nathan admitted that he'd watched him a lot when he was out of uh, between jobs before coming back to Kenilworth Road. Um, You know, so credit to him for that, um, that, you know, you've picked a player out because there are players that won't get a look in in the Premier League, but that doesn't mean they're bad players. Um, You know, he's we've had one or two in the past at lower level that, you know, have been far too good for the level we've been playing at. And clearly, Keenan Dewsbury Hall is, is one of those players that is 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 very, very good um, at this level. And, you know, it's great that we've got him. It, it is a shame that, you know, the loan market 
um, is the best that we've got with a player like that. You do unearth a, an odd gem here or there when you, you sign a player permanently. Um, but, uh, you know, it's fantastic uh, that he's uh, he's showing what a lone player should do at the club that he's at for this season. And, you know, as you said, his social media and also his goal celebrations, you know, it shows how much it means to him to be playing and to be scoring. And um, he's clearly got the love of Luton, um, you know, at his heart as well. He, he's not just turning up for the pay packet and, and getting on the pitch. And also, James, what I like about him is he, he must be kind of humble in the dressing room, doesn't he? Because, you know, you have to be a blind man not to realise the extra quality that he's got. He's clearly our star man. I think if you ask anyone who the player of the season is right now, you know, it's him, isn't it? And I think Sonny Bradley alluded to that after the game on Saturday. But he, he clearly doesn't sort of have ideas above his station, does he? Because the players are quite happy to acknowledge that he's the best player in the side without, you know, without them coming across as like, oh, well, we're bigging him up and doing ourselves a disservice. It's just just not like that. He's, he's just that good, but humble with it. Yeah, it seems so. And from the few interviews I've done with him, he's, um, he's a confident lad, but not arrogant with it. Um, you know, he's, he's confident enough to say that the, the team should be looking up, up the table. And, and, you know, when you look at the table right now and the, the amount of points they are from the play of seven, I think, isn't it? And 14 from the relegation, then that's a, that's a fair point and a fair assessment to make. Um, and it, 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 the way he plays, it doesn't come across like he's really big bollocks either. <laughs> it's, even though he's head and shoulders above uh, most of the players, he's not there demanding uh, people past him and getting the ump when they don't or anything. He makes things happen on his own. He'll, he'll, he'll go and hunt after the ball and, or nick in front of a, a pass to, to, to take it away from an attacker or something like that. And then, and then he's off and, and starting runs and... You know, even to the point where the first half in, uh, against Reading in the league was, was uh, sorry, uh, against QPR, uh, was that dreary and drab. It was really only him that was providing anything in an attacking sense when he was trying. He was playing through balls to people, so he's got that vision as well. He's, he's, he is a proper uh, box-to-box midfielder. Now he's starting to add the goals as well, uh, <laughs> wonderful strikes as well. Um and as I said before, you've got to be happy that you can look forward to uh, watching him for for the remainder of the season. The disappointing fact of it is only 3,000 people got to see him in the flesh. And, and unfortunately, I don't think fans are going to get back into grounds this this season, which you know breaks my heart. It's horrible. Uh, it does, it does, doesn't quite have the same, um, same vibe without fans. Of course it doesn't. Um, so th- there's that aspect of it. it you're probably going to have to just enjoy him on the TV for now. But uh, I, do, I do think that he's that good that that will probably be it. Once he goes back to Leicester, they'll either use him again or you'll have a Izzy Brown situation where someone else in the Championship with deeper pockets uh, that's seen how good he is and, and he'll, he'll go there. So it's really a case of just uh, enjoying how good he is at the moment and, and seeing how far he can... Um, help Luton and how, how how further up the table we can help Luton get because uh, I'm not sure he'll be there after that. And then, of course, the question is, what do you do when he isn't there? Because he's a loan sign and he's Luton's best player by, by a country mile. 
Um, so, so what, what to do next season? Maybe that's a conversation for another day. But uh, yeah, right now, it's it's fantastic to watch him play football. What we do next season is we chain him to the training ground doors and make sure he cannot possibly leave. That's what we do. Um, Tony, we're in the in an era where everyone has to be compared to something that's gone before, aren't we? You know, with social media and everything else. And, and it got me thinking over the weekend who Kean and Dewsbury Hall can be compared to. And I can give him no sort of bigger sort of flattering, really, than to say the first, the, the only one I can come up with, really, David Priest. He just reminds me so much of him. He's he's not the tallest figure in the world, is he? He's not as diminutive as Priestley, but... He's got a wand of a left foot. He's bloody hard to shake off the ball. He can pick a pass. And now, as we've seen recently, he can find the bottom corner as well. And uh, he just reminds me so much of Preeti in that in that regard. Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, he, he, he's got a, a good motor on him like uh, he had as well. And uh, he's he's enthusiastic. And, and it's true what's been said. He... he you can see how he celebrates his goals. And you can see when we lose as well, when he comes off, he's gutted as well. And he's definitely a team player. I, I was thinking, because uh, I, I go back further than you three guys, um, I was I was thinking, he reminded me with his vision and his passing, he reminds me of Alan West. Um, you know, who, who had that vision and, and, and ability. And he could also strike a ball as well. Um and you know, it, 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 it's just bringing back. He's bringing back some really good memories of previous players that Luton have had. You know, wonderful ball players. Um, you know, uh, you can see he's got the ability. He's got the talent and, and skill. I still turn around and say he's no Ricky Hill, but uh, he, he's um, he's good. And, and I agree with the guys. He is wonderful to watch. I mean, yes, that the QPR game. Um, he was the, he was our best player, but even even saying that he had an off night as well, you know we, you know he gave the ball away, his passes weren't that great, but everybody has a bad a bad night, don't they? You know, or a bad day or whatever. But yeah, I I totally agree. We should enjoy him while we can, and it is it is terribly disappointing that we you know he's not going to play in front of a of a packed Kenilworth road particularly in a, a proper evening game because then he would see just how much we appreciate him but you know um when he moves on he leaves us at the end of the season perhaps uh, we'll be able to do what we did with James Justin he came back and we we're able to show our appreciation then um but I think uh, when he does leave us, I think he'll have nothing but good wishes from Luton supporters. And uh, I think he, he's another one like James, JJ that can go very far in the game. Um, wonderful, wonderful player. Yeah, the world's his oyster. I mean, you know, JJ's on the verge of an England call-up, if you believe the papers, and this kid's not going to be too far away once he's in the Leicester side. Simon, the other thing that kind of takes you back, he's 22 years old. Mm. You know, if you if you told someone, watch this kid, by the way, he's 22 years old, they say, don't be stupid, he's 29, 30. He's 22 years old, he's fantastic. Yeah, he's got a, a long, good future ahead of him, hasn't he? And, you know, perhaps with the age element that's there, there's potential that, you know, he won't settle in the, the first team squad at Leicester with them, uh, with their current squad of players. And therefore, there is the potential that 
you know, his development can continue again next season on loan. And if he's enjoyed it as much as he has with us this season, then, uh, you know, fingers crossed there, there could be an opportunity. You know, there are players at that age that do go out on loan season after season uh, until such time that they either settle back at their home club or they get sold on because the, the home club aren't, you know, can't fit them into the squad because of the other players they've got available. And of course, even if he does go back into their squad, he's going to go back giving a, giving us a lofty reputation, isn't he? So maybe Brendan Rodgers sends the next Keane and Dewsbury Hall, are we? I was just going to say that as well and add to the point about, you know, players that we can attract, you know, what do we do next season without him? Well, other players of his calibre and who he's like will look at him and say, well, hang on a minute. He's made a great success going to Luton. He's really developed. All the fans were talking about him. I want some of that action. You know, I don't want to be sitting in the, not in a squad at a Premier League club. I want to be playing football and making the headlines. And, um, you know, and other players may well see that. Unless you think Stoke's a bit better stepping stone. (laughs) (laughs) James, the uh, the only thing that kind of surprises me with Dewsbury Hall, given that he wins man of the match every week, only 92% of Diamond season ticket holders had him as their player of the month for December. Now, the other 8% must be on strong medication because, I mean, I can't think of a game in December that he wasn't our best player. Well... I mean, I'd take a pinch of salt, those um, Man of the Match awards, because uh, somebody deemed it necessary to give, although he scored the winner, they gave George Moncur the, the Man of the Match award against uh, Reading in the Cup when clearly it was Sluger. And the, Sluger yeah, wasn't the even in the top even four. Sluger as an option <laughs> yeah. in that game, no. did they? That was the incredible thing. That's exactly. So it's, it's, it's usually an easy way out to give the Man of the Match award to the, the player that scored the goal, but it doesn't really often tell the full story of the match but uh, um, what was your question? I mean how could anyone have voted for anyone other than Dewsbury Hall to be the player of December? I mean I I mean you've wrote I, match reports on him I, haven't you yeah. throughout the I've whole given him, like, I've like done I say, one of them as well and he's yeah. the man of the match in all of them. He, he has been I mean I, I, I do a little emoji report at the final whistle uh it's a bit of fun and I did give Harry Cornick the star man for that but then when I looked back and considered it as I was writing the match report and looked back on my notes and stuff it was clearly again in Dewsbury Hall who was the best player um, I, I mean you do get a different perspective when you watch it on TV sometimes and sometimes when you're at the ground you can actually watch what he's doing off the ball where the camera perhaps wouldn't be looking um, so you do get a better perspective, but uh, you know, just his sort of uh, his his main contributions uh, to the game when he does have the ball uh, are really impressive. And uh, what what I like about him um, is his uh, his ability to uh, snuff out attacks, but then get on the front foot really quickly. He's got a really sharp turn of pace. You can't get him off the ball. Um, which is a, um, a, a very big bonus. He's um, a very strong lad. So, um, yeah, he's, he's just a wonderful player. I, I, I won't be disheartened or unhappy. In fact, I'll be absolutely delighted to give him a man of the match for the rest of the season, every single game. And there's a good chance, based on what we've seen recently, that you might have to do that. Right. Uh, James here, just to butt in there uh, from what Kev was saying. We talked for so long in this episode that we decided to split it up into two parts. The second part 
some very meaty subjects so I advise you to stick around and go and have a look at that but uh, this is the end of part one go and get yourself a brew or a beer or whatever else you're doing uh, and if you want to have a listen to the second part um, you can find that in all the YouTube places <laughs>